Hey y'all, I'm Tara Royer-Steele, and welcome to the Jesus Pie and Coffee podcast, the place where we have real conversations over pie and coffee. Y'all, today I chat with my new friend, Wendy Pope. She is a Bible teacher, um, has She's a speaker for Proverbs 31 Ministries, written books. She has a new one coming out, and she digs in and dives in to find um, out about our hidden potentials. And what I love about her, her books is that she turns it all straight back to Jesus and shares um, about figures in the Bible, people in the Bible, and meshes them really well with um, our lives. So y'all go grab your cup of coffee, pull up a chair and join us. Hi, it's nice to meet Hi. you. This it's is nice to meet the you real too. world, right? Yes. In, in real life now. That's exactly right. Okay, friends. So I'm talking to my new friend, Wendy Pope. And um, so will you tell us... Just a little about, tell us about your family and what your normal day may like, look like and what you, what you do on the daily. Oh, fun. Okay. So I have, um, I'm married to my husband uh, for 28 years. I've been married to my husband for 28 years. We met when we were young and we went to the same group, same church, same community. So we've been friends and now we've been married for we've just known each other for so long and we have, um, two amazing adult children, 22 and 19, and they are both still living at our home and I don't complain about it. I love it. Yes. Um, my they both have say jobs. they're not leaving. So yes, they both have jobs. They both pay for their things, but they both have saving goals. And before they move out, they want to, you know, have enough money to move out into a home. They don't want to get into an apartment or anything. So they have goals. And so, as long as they're taking care of themselves and helping around the house, we're, we're fine with them to stay here. Now, when if they get 30, we might have to, yeah, we, we might change gears a little bit, but mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways, um, so we, um, have them living here. We also have a cute little Boykin Spaniel dog named Maxie that lives with us. And we've had her for 11 years. What and kind of Spaniel? She's a Boykin Spaniel. A Boykin. What's a Boykin? Um, it's a, in the Spaniel family, but it's a special breed that was, uh, started with the Boykin family in Boykin, South Carolina. And I live in North Carolina, so it's pretty fun. It's like right next door to us. But um, they're um, hunting dogs. They're duck okay. dogs. And so they look Do just like a hunting? spaniel. No, we don't. Okay. But we just love the dogs. We just They're just beautiful brown dogs. And they have the little cute dock tail. And they have the you know furry brown. They're all chocolate brown. Uh, the breed's all chocolate brown. So they're just, anyway, so she's been with us for 11 years. So she's here and she's sitting with me right now. Um, and as far as what I do every day, this is, um, I live the dream mm-hmm. actually, because I get to read and study the Bible every day. This is literally what I do. And on the days that I'm not doing that, um, I'm taking care of my senior parents. Um, my dad is 89 and my mom will be 86 next Monday so I take care of them they don't live with us but they live close by and then on those days I'm not doing those two things I'm traveling Um, I speak with Proverbs 31 ministries and I go and I speak and teach uh, women's conferences and women's retreats but my daily job at home other than taking care of my family is uh, writing 
um, and leading women through the one-year chronological Bible. I have mm. an online Bible study called Read Through the Word. I've been doing it for 11 years now. And um, so I do that. Like So today, when we finish our conversation, I will be writing um, three to four lessons for that and getting uploaded for the next three to four days. I try to stay ahead. So I have a lesson every single day, but I try to stay ahead three to four days of the class posted up on our site. So yeah, it's the dream job. I get to sit with Jesus and, and his word all day long. <laughs> I was just recently introduced to the um, one year chronological Bible. Uh huh. And I really do love it um, just for, well, when you're wanting to learn more about the Bible and learn, dig in, yes. I just, yes. I love it. And so I've I started, um, I take little post-it notes and I write notes that don't, I mean, uh, not post-it notes. What are those things called? Index cards. Uh-huh. And I just tape um, one to the edge of the paper and write all my notes and then fold them inside. Um, where oh, I write that's all my a great notes. idea. Yeah. yeah. I, I um, found it um, in the first time I read it was 2008 and um, I didn't realize um, that the Bible that I take to church and, you know, do my traditional Bible studies out of was not in order. I had no idea that it wasn't in order. I knew it was divided up into the sections like the minor, minor prophets and major prophets and all that. But for some reason, it didn't dawn on me that it wasn't in order. So when I found a Bible that was in order of how events happened, as best as we know, you know, we don't know right. for sure. Um, it really did change how. I viewed the Bible. The Bible is a story from beginning to etern- you know, to end to the revelation and everything in between. And you, you really fall in love with um, so much of the word when you understand um, the ins and outs and the beginnings and the ends of people and their effectiveness and their, their ministry in the kingdom. Um, so I, I have fell in love with it and I started teaching it daily and we just started a nonprofit oh, awesome. called Word Up Ministries, and we teach that on the online class uh, for free. It's all, we offer it for free, and um, we love it. Absolutely love it. So that's what I do. That's who I am. <laughs> okay, I have to ask because um, learn digging into the Bible. So, what Bible do you normally carry around? Well, what Bible do you carry around? And you thought oh, it was in order? Yes. I- well, my. I fell in love with God's word. I was saved when I was seven and I've always loved God's word because it was God's word. But um, I really started falling in love with it when I started chasing hard after him um, in my early thirties, when my happily ever after wasn't working out. So happily ever after, I'm Mm -hmm. sure some of your listeners knows what that's like. And I thought, you know what? I've been in church all these years. Maybe I ought to read the Bible, study the Bible. Yep. And I started out with the new living, with the living Bible paraphrase. And then um, I just dove into the NIV 84. And so that's been my go-to. That's where all my notes are. That's where my prayers are, my kids' names, you know, all of that's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then recently, um, the Lord just challenged me to put that Bible away on the shelf. Not that I would never use it again, but to open um, and move to a different translation. I just, to be challenged to hear him differently and to read differently. So I started using the ESV Mm -hmm. and that's the Bible I carry to church on Sundays. um, And my pastor teaches from the NASB, but I have the ESV. Um, 
So I really, honestly, it's hard to say what my favorite translation is. I love them all. Um, but right now I am digging into the ESV for the first time, getting away from the NIV and, and just hearing God in a different way. And I love that. Yeah, I do too. It just makes, it just, it goes forward with the times and where we are in our lives and the world. Um, okay, so you um, talked about the chron like if someone was new to the Bible or mm -hmm. new to studying the word, what would you suggest to them would be a great way to start digging in? That's a great question. Um, if, if somebody is brand new to the Bible, um, I think that the chronological Bible is a good start. Honestly, yeah. that I've never been asked that question, Sorry. but, um, no, oh, no, no, that's okay. I love that. I, no, I love the question. Um, because it makes me think, um, I always tell people that are new to the Bible and newly saved to start with the book of John and then move to um, like James and Ephesians, some of those chapters about, um, you know, the chapters on living and living out the word and all of that in the New Testament. But if you're new to really studying the Bible, I love the chronological Bible because it does go in order of how things happened. And for one of my favorite parts, the example that I always give is Psalm 51 is in your traditional Bible is written and it's placed after Psalm 50 because 50, 51, 52, they're in numerical order. But the translate, uh, the, the scripture itself was written in response. It was written by David. The Psalm was written by David in response to Nathan, the prophet's confrontation to him on his sin with Bathsheba. And so if you're reading your traditional Bible, you don't get that picture. You hear a man that says, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And against you and you alone have I sinned. Don't take your presence from me. You hear a man's desperation. But in the chronological Bible, it's in 2 Samuel, right after 2 Samuel chapter 12, where he's confronted. So you, you actually get to hear David pridefully want to accuse another man in this story and, and um, you have to if you're not familiar with that text read that text second samuel 12 um or maybe it's 11 it's either 11 or 12 i'm sorry i don't have that right in front of That's me okay. but um you're doing awesome because you, i'd be like you, ah, i don't know <laughs> um but you hear that you hear his prayer and his cry out to the lord of psalm 51 right in the place where it happened in his life so and I, I, if I was starting out and really wanted to read the word and understand the Bible, I would start this way because it would give me a broad picture of the, um, the love of God and um, the need for Jesus, because the Old Testament points us to the need of Jesus so desperately. And we don't get that. If you just start in the New Testament, you don't get the need for Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, we, yeah, we sin and we we sin and we need a savior. Yes, I get that in the New Testament. But when you read the Old Testament in its entirety and you follow the saga of his people, the Israelites, you see the need that God had to send the savior. He had to send the savior for us um, and for all of mankind to be redeemed. 
So, um, and I also um, like the New Living Translation. That's the translation that I teach from daily because it's written on a sixth grade level. So it's really basic and it's, the words are easy to understand. Some of the concepts are not because, you know, they're deep concepts and especially when you get to the Levitical law and ceremonial law and how does that apply to us? And do we have to obey all that New Testament, Old Testament, that kind of thing. So some of those concepts are still hard, but um, that's where you just pray through and you say, God, I, I don't understand the application of this in 2020. Um, help me understand this. And he reveals what he wants us to know. Right. And um, then what we don't know, we're not accountable for that, according to Deuteronomy 29, 29. And so um, that's a long answer to your question. But I no, would definitely awesome. start with that NLT and that chronological Bible, because it does give you a great basis of the. And what I also love is that it starts out in Genesis. And even if you are very, very you haven't been in church long at all. The in the beginning, most everybody knows about in the beginning. Most everybody knows about the ark. Most everybody knows about Joseph and the coat of many colors. So it lets you get your feet wet in stories that you are, are familiar with and gives you a place where you can feel a little bit confident in it before you get into some of the deeper stuff. I mean, I've used to, you know, when you'd start in the Bible and you just pick a chapter, which I mm-hmm. don't recommend. Um, no. <laughs> because you're like, I don't, it doesn't make sense and you need the whole context. But when right. I even reading in Genesis and through Exodus, because, you know, I'm, that's as far as I'm at, at this stage of the game, we're only in February. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started in January. <laughs> um, I've even enjoyed reading the lineage, um, just be digging in. And then I've right. just kind of almost drawn this family tree where you're like, Oh, okay. Um, and, it, and you just never, a long time ago, I'd never even care about, well, I don't care where he came from. No, that's exactly right. You you see the importance of genealogy and mm-hmm. you see, um, you, you see where um, this family line went astray. Yes. And then later down the line, you see, well, he was a tribe of, everybody was from the tribe of, the tribe of, the tribe of, and you get to trace that back. And it's, it really is the back of the Bible calls it the chronological Bible says it's a fascinating way to read the Bible. And it really is because you get this broad, broad picture of the a whole story of God. And um, yeah, the lineage, it's one of the, that's one of the things that you can go, Oh, I don't need to know that. But then if you stop and you look mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh my goodness, this traced all the way back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. It actually is important. <laughs> it is. It is. That's why it's well, in there. Face that you and I are a lineage to somebody, and we want to think, we want to know that we've made a difference somewhere in the lineage that'll be traced back to us one day. Jeez. And somebody finds a family tree or something with our names on it, we want it to be. We want something good to be said of us for sure that we lived for Jesus and we love Jesus. Mm. Yes. Okay, so share with me what, um, I mean, there's so many things I kind of want to ask you about, and this happens every single time because I always want to know more when um, <laughs> time runs out. So, how, like, what got you into the ministry? What what got you to where you're at that you, oh, I think I'll just do this today? Yes. Um, well, it really was, um, it was a knowing. This was um, the Lord um called me into ministry 
during a, that season of my not so happily, happily ever after, which shows you that he is a God of humor because I had no idea what I was doing in my family, um, being the wife that I needed to be to my husband, the parent I needed to be to my, the mother I needed to be to my children, much less be in ministry. I was like, you're joking, right? I, this can't be, this can't be it. Um, but I had, uh, Lisa Turkhurst is the president of Proverbs 31 Ministries, and she um, came to the church where I was in women's ministry leadership at my church, and she came to church and spoke at our church. It was the weekend after 9-11, okay. um, and when she she came and spoke, and as the leader of the women's ministry, I had to be like I was the MC and the host and all of that. And she came up to me after the event and said, have you ever considered ministry like speaking? And, and I said, well, I don't even know what that, I, I, what does that mean? Right. Like speaking and speaking to women. And I said, no, I haven't ever considered that. And she said to me, which was a great compliment. She said, you have, you have something. She said, I sense it. She sensed something in me. And she said, we're having a writers and speakers conference called She Speaks. Yep. And we would love for you. I would love for you to consider coming. Well, I threw up every argument and every obstacle that I could not to go to that conference. This this was the very first She Speaks. It had we did it one night. And I, you know, I didn't have the money. My husband was going to have to work. Nobody could watch the kids, whatever obstacle I put up, it was torn down. So I knew that I was supposed to go. And when I got there, I, I knew it. I mean, when you're, when you, when the Lord is trying to tell you something and you're open yourself up to that, you know, um, and we, at least for me, sometimes I try to act like I don't know because I don't really want to do it. So I try to act like I don't understand him. That just, I guess I'm a hot mess. I need Jesus every day. Um, but that's the way that I react sometimes. And, but I, I was like, okay, Lord, I don't know what this means. And honestly, I didn't tell, I told a couple friends to pray for me that I felt like God was calling me into the ministry, but I didn't tell anybody like, um, I didn't tell my husband, I didn't go make an announcement to somebody. I was scared. And um, six to eight months later, I finally said, I've got to tell my husband. So I told him and um, said, I think God's calling me in the ministry. And he said, well, what does that mean? I said, I don't know. And he said, well, do you go to seminary? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, who's going to keep the kids? And I said, I don't know. know. And he said, well, does it get paid? And I said, I don't know. And I said, he goes, what do you know? I said, I don't know anything. And, and so I just, I sat on it again for a few more months and just, he had the knowledge and we just began to pray and met with Lisa again. Um, and found out a little bit more about Proverbs and um, wasn't sure if that's if I was supposed to be with Proverbs or mm -hmm. what this all looks like. And just through lots of prayer, um, the Lord made it clear that I would be part of that ministry and have been speaking with them since then, since 2012 or 2013. No, 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 gosh, I'm thinking of a different day since 9-11 so that was yeah. what that was 2000 when what was when was that 
I get confused every my, single yeah, time. Yeah, my daughter was, was it four. One or eleven. Yeah, my daughter was four, so it was oh one. Yeah, it's um, one. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, I never set out to do this. I'm an elementary ed major, and I always wanted to be a teacher, a mom, and a wife. And this is this, and I love those are my favorite roles, being a mother and a wife, my favorite roles ever. And when I started speaking, um, it did come naturally to me because I have a teacher in me Um, and studying the Bible did not come natural because I, there's so many things I didn't understand, but it made me seek. And in that seeking, I found out a lot of things that helped me be a better wife and the mom I needed to be. So those questions that I, and obstacles that I put up, God actually was giving me answers as he was equipping me to answer the call on my life. And then they started, um, the ministry started doing the online devotions and they wanted the speakers to write them and we were actually required to write them. So um, I started writing, which that was, a, I mean, I look back at some of my earlier writings and think, oh my mercy. Um, but yes, uh, we had great completely. editors and they helped <laughs> a lot. Sometimes you and look then, at it and you're like, did I ever, did I write that? I know, you're for like, sure. Why don't you just put your name on there? It's fine. Exactly. And honestly, I look back too and I think, thank you, God, for all the rejections mm-hmm. for the first book I wrote, Wait and See. I had, oh my gosh, 10 years of rejections. And I look back and I think, thank you, God. <laughs> Nothing that that original man's manuscript was not put out there with my name on it. Um, so, um, yeah, the, I, the writing was not, the speaking was never anything that I was going to pursue, but God definitely called me into this. And the writing was, it, to me, it kind of was like a, an add-on after ministry, after I got started speaking, um, the messages that I spoke, the core messages that I spoke have ended up being my books, which was mm-hmm. really interesting. Um all of the books are based on messages that I have spoken and I just developed them into books. Um, and it, I, it just fell naturally to me. Um, writing is not my favorite thing because I, um, I'm not a good, um, I don't have a, I don't have a plan. You know, a lot of people say, well, how do you sit down and write a book? And I said, well, okay, well, here's how I do it. I sit down with my computer and I listen to God. Mm-hmm. I don't have a big you know, team that helps me or anything like that. Um, and I, I have to go away and sit down with the Lord and write. And I never write my books when I'm at home. I take, I take like a week at different parts of the time. My husband and I work it out and I'll go hammer out, you know, 10,000, 11, 12,000 words in a week. I come home and I'm mom and wife again. And then when we can see a season where I can take another week away, that's when I go write more on my book. Um, so it doesn't come naturally for me just to sit down and hammer out words every single day. Um, as far as a book is concerned, I can do that when I'm writing Bible study, like I do um, for Read Through the Word. So it's just interesting um, how God has brought it all together, quite honestly, um, because I was never a good student. Um, I talked really well. So the, the talking part of my ministry doesn't surprise me, but the writing part has definitely surprised me. Uh, that God can take what we think is the worst part of ourselves and the weakest part of ourselves and use it for his kingdom. And that's one of the things that I teach in, in um, hidden potential is the very thing that we think is a fault or a frailty in our lives. 
if we surrender that to God, he's going to use that for his glory and for our good. And um, I've definitely learned that by this third book, that there isn't anything that God can't use um, that I won't surrender to him that he can't use. You know, if I, if I choose to hold on to it, he's not going to use it because I'm, you know, white knuckling it. But if we choose to surrender whatever is uh, fearful to us or um, whatever we failed at and we feel we're weak at, God will use it. And he'll use it for his glory and for our good. And that's really what our testimony of our lives is supposed to be. It sounds just like me because I was, um, I was a horrible, you know, I thought I was Mm -hmm. a horrible student. I can't write all those kind of things. So writing Mm -hmm. and writing is not that person that I sit down and write this many a day or words a day. And I was like, no, (laughs) just tell me when my deadline is and. Then right. I then I ha- would yes. have to go away, and I'd write. Mine was devotion, so I was writing uh-huh. a certain amount of devotions when I would go away. Right. And I always thought I would write. I'll get twenty done, and I was like, if I came back with twelve, I was like rock star. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know that the enemy wants God's girls, well, God's children. I'll, I don't speak for men because I'm not one, but um, I speak to a lot of women, and I meet a lot of women. And a lot of women walk around defeated and where it's like, we're barely hanging on because we, um, we have succumbed to the, the enemy's lies about us that the world tells us that we've got to be strong. We've got to, you know, we're a woman. We've got to make our way in this world because we're being suppressed by men and overpowered by men. And, um, you know, we are afraid and we're not supposed to be afraid. We're supposed to fear less and, you know, correct that failure that you did and show the world that you've overcome and that kind of stuff. And, and all of those make us weak. They make us weak in our faith and, um, the way to be strong in your faith is surrender everything to the Lord. And it, it takes a while to build strong faith. It takes dependency on Christ. It takes trusting Christ. Um, and it takes, it takes a while. And I see so many women that are, they just, like I said, walk around defeated. And the enemy loves it because we're not a threat to him at all. When we, when we walk around like that, unsure of who we are in Christ. And when we get that assurance of who we are in Christ, we don't have to prove it to the world. And is that and why you wrote your book, Hidden Potential, pretty much? I mean, is that part it, of the reason? It is. It is. Not, not like a... I wouldn't say it was because I wanted to show the world something about being a woman. No. But what, what God I, can do. But what God can do, yes. Because I... Um, and I'm sure a lot of your audience will will be able to identify with this. It's exhausting trying to fix yourself. And I felt like I had to fix myself and I had to live up to a worldly standard that was laid out before me by people who, number one, don't know me. And number two, don't love me. And number three, do not want what's best for me. It's what the world has lied. They've it's lied to us, yep. uh, men and women, for for sure, but especially women. Um, and so I was like a lot of women, caught up in trying to fix myself, make myself 
meet this worldly standard. And then, okay, then if I meet this standard, I'm probably good enough to do something for the Lord and, and to be part of a plan for him that he has for my life. And all along, God's been writing this hidden potential book in my heart, even through the writing of my other two books. This has been the underlying current going through is you're, you're bringing everything that you have failed, that you fear, that has brought you down. You're bringing all of that to the surface and we're going to deal with all of this. And um, through the study of Moses' life, he's the main person in the book. Um, David is my subject matter in Wait and See and Paul is my subject matter and Yes, No, and Maybe Living the Immeasurably More Life. And um, I write about Moses and hidden potential. I just, I just got it probably about, I don't know, two to three weeks ago. It was just one of these aha moments that I just was thrilled to the core of my soul when, and it wasn't even like I was looking at another woman going, gosh, I wish I had her hair or I wish I had her confidence or look at her figure, you know, that kind of, I wasn't like looking at someone with envy and that I wasn't even looking at anyone. It just, the, it flooded my spirit that I no longer want to be her. That person, that, that persona of that person that I perceive has it all together is perfect. I don't want to be her anymore. I, I finally am so pleased with the person that God created me to be. Um, and I don't mean pleased as in, I don't have room for growth. I mean, pleased and then, wow, he created me this way to do this unique thing, whatever it is that I might be doing right now. It's writing this book right now. It's doing ministry online. Whatever's next will be next. But he's uniquely created every person and We've got to learn to see ourselves through that lens and no longer want to be her and want to love the skin that we're in. And I'm so excited that he and I had that moment together a few weeks ago that I was like, you're right, God. I don't want to be her anymore. Um, I don't. And I love that. And I, I'm bragging on Jesus, not on Wendy, because when he's a mess that needs Jesus every day. Um, but I'm really, really pleased with um, with the trust level of trust that he has in me and um, that he's entrusted me with the message of this book and um, the ministry of of read through the word, the ministry of my family. Uh, my family is my first ministry. My marriage is my first ministry. My children are my second ministry and everything else comes after that. Um, so he's, he's so such a gentleman. He doesn't push himself on his girls. He waits until we get to the place where we're ready to turn to him. And he's got so much for us. And I want this book to be hidden potential to be a, a, place of a launch place of freedom for women to to not want to be her anymore but to love the skin that they're in and love the person that that 
God created them to be in whatever capacity that might be. Mine's speaking and ministry. Theirs might be completely something different. Sure. Not everybody's called to ministry. I mean, I can't do, I couldn't do what you do. I mean, I don't, I, I, I couldn't sit and talk to people all day. I, I, you know, I can do like 15 minute lesson on video and then I'm done. (laughs) So, you know, you have your own area of ministry, which is, which is so cool that God has all of these things for us and ministry doesn't end. It doesn't, there's enough ministry to go around for everyone is what I'm trying to say. And he's just waiting for us to go, okay, I'm tired of living to the world standards and thinking that somehow that's going to spiritually help me. It's not. Let's move on to the business of being surrendered to the Lord. Yeah, there's 7 billion people out there that exactly are struggling every day. I'm one. Uh, absolutely. So we absolutely. We do need each other. Mm-hmm. We need each other so desperately. And, you know, the, yeah, it's just we do. I'm not going to go where I thought I was going to go. I'm going to stop. No, it. it's okay. I get it totally. <laughs> I, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get on, a, on, on that rabbit trail. We need, we need each other. We do. And the unsaved needs the saved. And honestly, the saved Save. need the unsaved yeah. as well. We need each other um, in this world to love each other and care for each other. This is a hard place to be. It is. It is. Okay. So what I do, um, so in your books, can you mention it because, Hey, everyone, she has three books and one's not coming, come out yet. It comes out on what day? March 1st. Hidden Potential comes out March 1st. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. But how you use, um, biblical people mm-hmm. combining like with, with us. So, um, or how do you, how did you do that with Moses or why do you feel it's so important to do that? Well, I write about the people in the Bible who, um, I most I closely, most closely identified with areas in my life that I struggled. For example, David's life was all about waiting. The first 15, well, about 15 or 20 years of his life were all about waiting to get from the pasture to the palace. And so I struggled with waiting. I, I've, I've not been a good waiter. I still struggle with it. I have to go back to the concepts of my book very often I still live by those principles. Um, yes, no, and maybe um, is Paul. And in Ephesians 3.20, he talks about the God of immeasurably more. Now to him who can do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. Well, I wanted to know that God. I, how, how do we get to know the God that he's talking about? He's writing that from prison. He's talking about a God of immeasurably more from a place of confinement. So I investigated and studied Paul's life because I wanted immeasurably more living. I don't, I'm not, and I don't mean that in material ways. I wanted to know that God, Uh, a man that can write that from prison. He has something I want. Um, And then Moses, I, um, the key that struck what struck me most about Moses is, well, two things that God, I guess it just dawned on me. And I, I knew this back in my head, in the back of my head somewhere, but in studying his life, what I realized with Moses is that God knew, had the foreknowledge because he's all knowing, had the foreknowledge that Moses was going to murder 
that Egyptian soldier. He knew that, yet he chose him to be the deliverer of his people. That astounds me. That showed me that God could take my biggest failure and still and forgive it and allow me to still be participating in a greater story than my own. I mean, that how huge is that? Um, that we don't have to live among, we don't have to live under the weight of our failure. That God knew and he knows all that we're going to do, good, bad, and indifferent, yet he still wants a relationship with us and he still wants us to participate in a story greater than our own. So that astounded me that I could be a failure and still be valuable to God. And then the second thing that that drove me to this point with Moses and seeing this fear, fault, failure, frailty idea was in Exodus 4, where God says to Moses, he's, he's having this conversation in chapter three with him about the fact that I'm going with you, tell them I am sent you. And if you read carefully that story, that part of the story, that conversation that he has with Moses, Moses is constantly arguing with God. He's throwing up obstacles. It says he protested, he pleaded, he uses all like, please, God, I can't do this. And I, I can so identify with that. <laughs> I mean, Lord, please send someone else because right. this is an assignment way too big for me. I'm not qualified for this job. I can't do this. I, and all these obstacles. And um, so sweet God does a show and tell with Moses in chapter four of Exodus. And he says, what's in your hand? Moses says, it's my staff. Okay. On surface, of course, he's a shepherd. He has a staff, but that staff represents so much. That staff represents Moses security because he was a shepherd and that staff that he carried was what he defended his sheep with. It's what he rescued his sheep with. They would take the crook of the staff and they would pull their sheep back into line. Mm -hmm. So that's how he kept that's and that's how he kept his his flock together is by using that staff. That staff protected him against wild animals. He used that to help him walk when he was weary and tired. That staff meant a lot to him. And God says then after that, after he identifies what it is, he says, throw it down. And so Moses does, this is what's so great about God is about the story is Moses does it. And in that moment, God is Moses like, okay, here, I'm going to, I'm going to do what you said and throws it down. And then it turns into a snake. Then the most amazing thing happens is God tells him to pick it up while it's still a snake. He does it. He picks it up and it turns back into the staff. Okay, that's a great show and tell picture. Very, very cool. What I read into that is the very thing that we're holding on to, to give us security, to give us what little power we think we have to fix ourselves, to be in control of ourselves, to um, protect ourselves, that whole idea of that staff, that very thing. When we throw that down and surrender that to God, we then can pick that back up 
and use it. God will use it in our story. That staff became what parted the Red Sea. That staff is what brought um, water from the rock. Um, it, so the very thing that I was holding on to that I thought I had control with, and I had to lay that down to God. And then once we picked that back up, oh, I'm still insecure about things. I'm still fearful about things, but I can be faithful and fearful at the same time. Mm -hmm. I can be, um, I can be flawed and still be valuable. So those things we lay down to God, we can pick them back up and he will use those to make us stronger in our faith. We've got tons of books out there that teach us how to overcome our fears and how to strengthen our weaknesses. But what if the very thing that God wants to use in our lives is that weakness and all we're trying to do is fix it? You see what I'm saying? Oh, so yeah. Moses, the beginning of Moses' story, just, it compelled me um, and watch him. And I watch him become the leader of God's people. God was so sweet to Moses and just let him, Moses, even after the little show and tell demonstration, he's still arguing in chapter four <laughs> about the fact that, you know, I don't talk good. He says, well, we don't know if that was a stutter or if that was lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you didn't want to speak in front of an audience. You know, there's various schools of thought on that. But regardless of exactly what it is, he didn't have that confidence level yet. So God said, OK, I'm going to let you take your brother with you. And if you read carefully and you read the exchanges between God, between Pharaoh and Mo Moses and Aaron, Moses is do, uh, Aaron's doing most of the talking right until one day in the middle of that whole idea of the plagues Moses finds his voice and it is a very very powerful moment it was very very powerful moment to me it was like oh my goodness he found his voice and his leader legs even though he failed even though he feared even though he had a frailty and even though he had a fault, he had a temper, God still used him. It's incredible. So I love the hope of his story. There isn't anything that I've done, anything that I will do that will negate me from being part of God's story or keep me from being part of God's story unless I choose to allow it. And that's when we miss the victory of God in our lives. And, and I don't want women to do that. Um, this book is of good freedom. It really is. I can't wait to get my hands on it. I love, <laughs> I, I love that whole analogy. It's wonderful. Thank you. Um, You're so welcome. Okay. So to wrap it up, um, what would you say to someone that's listening right now that doesn't think they have, um, they have no hidden potential? Oh. I would just say from the deepest part of my heart, you do. You do. And for her, um, I love her. I mean, that's why I'm getting emotional because I was that girl. And I wrote this book for you. Um, God loves you so much. And he died for you. 
and he died to give a, to have you in his eternal light, to have you for eternity, for sure. But it's so much more than eternity. His love for you did not stop at the cross. Um, he has a life for you. That's what I would say to her. And um, if he can use a murderer like Moses, mm-hmm. and if he can use um, a, a girl that messes up daily like me, who has a trouble spelling words, and I, <laughs> if he can use me, he can use you. And he sees potential in you right now, even if you can't see it in yourself. And you've got to trust him. You've got to trust him. Pick up a copy of Hidden Potential. And if you can't afford a Hidden Potential right now, finances are hard and I can't afford to get that book. I get it. Okay. Then you pick up, the, uh, pick up your Bible. And if you can't afford a Bible, go to a Bible app and start reading. Start reading the word of God. Start in the Psalms. That's really started where I started falling in love with God um, is that I read, started reading the Psalms first. So that's where I would tell you to start. If you can't get the book and you don't have a Bible. In fact, if you don't have a Bible, goodness gracious, email me at wendy at wendypub.org and I will mail you a Bible. (laughs) Heavens. Me too. I will, I will pay for it to be mailed to you. Mm -hmm. I would never want anybody not to have God's word, but um, I wrote this book for you. Um, I know what it's like not to feel like you are of any value. Um, and it doesn't, value doesn't come in, in your kind of car you drive. It doesn't come in the degree that's hanging on the wall. It doesn't come in your clothes, your nails, your hair, um, your job. It doesn't come in that. That's not where the value comes. The value comes in knowing who you are in Christ. And this book is written for you for that freedom. Okay, so I'm going to flip the script. So if um, that girl was sitting at the table with you and you were having coffee, since this is Jesus pie and coffee, would you have pie or would you have cake? Oh, my goodness. I told you I was going to flip the script. What Maybe it is called question. Jesus pie and coffee. We have to talk about it. Oh, my goodness. Well, number you won't one, hurt my I don't, feelings if I Number if one, say, I don't drink coffee. Never okay, have. that's fine. Um, I love you anyways. Um, Pie or cake, either one in the form of something chocolate. I do not have a favorite over cake or pie, but it has to be something chocolate, unless it's key lime. If it's a key lime pie, that's when I would take key lime pie over chocolate. Um, that's, that's a really, that's, that's the hardest question you've asked me in this interview is cake or pie. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> well, I you know, I anything mean, a, chocolate unless it's key girl, lime and key so. lime trumps it. But I love cake. So if you put cake or pie in front of me, I'm going to pick the cake. Are you really? What's your favorite? I don't care. Um, Any Italian kind of cake. Cream cake and Italian cream cake. Oh, wow. My, that's my favorite. That's my husband's favorite. I have to make that for his birthday every year. I don't, it's I don't not do a, a good cake. job. I just am going to go make though. No, I have to have an intention for that. I mean, it's it's a complicated cake, and it's not a cheap cake to make either. That. When you use the fresh coconut, uh-huh. yeah, it's not a it's not a cheap cake to make, and it's not uncomplicated. But you know, he only has that birthday once a year, so that's right. You can make, make it. it. We can do it one time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so if you're gathering around the table with people, what would be something that would you would cook for dinner? Huh. Well, my favorite dinner is salmon and steamed vegetables. 
but that's not a favorite for most people. No, but I would eat um, it. Uh, a lot of people don't like salmon. No, they don't. In fact, I, only me and my daughter eat salmon in my family. Probably something like, um, I would probably make a big casserole. I have a recipe, uh, chicken and rice casserole that my family loves, and it makes a lot for leftovers. So I would probably cook that and sauteed green beans and Sister Schubert rolls. Okay, will you send me the recipe for that casserole so I can tell everybody? (laughs) Uh, I would love to. Are you serious? Well, yeah. Really? Oh, yes, I would love to. Again, it is one of those recipes like the Italian cream, not quite as complicated as the Italian cream, but it's not, you know, a lot of times with casseroles, you just dump it all in a bowl and you throw it in. Okay, it's not that. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but it is so worth all the effort in fact we had not made it in a while and my husband was like Scott said I would like that chicken and rice casserole and I it's a long brown long the stemmed brown rice in it and everything is so good uh wild rice and and I said okay so I said I'll make it and um my daughter and I love to cook together and she said I'll help you well when we sat finished it all up and was cleaning it all or cleaning it all up I said this is why this doesn't get made very often it's because true. it takes about 30 minutes of prep work. So you have to prepare yourself for it. But when you take that first bite, it is worth every minute, kind of like that Italian cream. It's worth every minute that you put into it. It is so good. It's got cream cheese in it. It's got cheddar cheese in it. Oh my gosh. It's, I'm thinking, I'm like, I have those at home. Okay, yeah. And you're going to, I will send tonight. that to you. As soon as we get off here, I will send that to you and I'll be glad for you to post it. I had a friend many, many years ago made it for me when someone in my family passed away or I was sick or something like comfort food, just taking care yep. of me because I was going through a hard time. And um, I said, we have to have that again. And I have to have that recipe. <laughs> so I made it and we've, it's been a favorite ever since. So that's probably what I make because it feeds a lot. And I would have, could have more people over yeah, with that because it feeds a lot of people. Right. Okay. So what are you reading right now? What am I reading? Do you read a bunch what? of books or one book at a time? What is sad is I'm not reading anything right That's now. That's great. I am. The only book that I read every day is, is the, the Bible. Bible. And um, I would love to sit down and read books, but I... I'm in a constant state of producing books that I don't have the white space to sit down and read. And that is really sad. Um, My good friends, uh, Sherry Gregory and Amy Carroll wrote a book called Exhale. And it's just all about finding balance and rhythm in your life. And my intention was to start that in January. And it's not, I haven't even cracked the book yet. Um, But I have Horizon. And I have light at the end of the tunnel here. I complete my fourth manuscript in June Woo-hoo. and turn that in. And I do not have a contract for another book and I'm not seeking one right away. I'm going to breathe um, and exhale and inhale. This, this next book will be the fourth book. And then I've had two Bible studies that I've done since 2016, 15 so, um, You've done that many books in. Yes. Mm-hmm. That seems daunting. And my my publishing family is incredible. David C. Cook, the people there are amazing, and I love them. And I they have made this experience 
this crunch experience of writing all these books in the short amount of time. Um, wonderful. And I've loved it. Um, but I do look forward to pressing pause in the writing season a little bit and catch up on what other people are writing. There's some really good books out there. Yeah. <laughs> I get them sent to me. <laughs> I'm going to send you one of mine whenever I get it. I would love it. I would love it. When is it coming out? It comes out on March 3rd. So we're like, oh, right celebrate together. Yeah. Great. Well, what is your book about? It's a devotional, an illustrated devotional with recipes. No, what? Did you do the illustrations too? Yes. Oh, how cool is that? Don't think I will like look forward to it. Crazy, huge paintings and things like that. But Yeah. But, and yeah. I can't draw anything, so every little drawing impresses me. I'm impressed that you took that on and you wrote the book and you have recipes in it. It, it was a lot, but you well, you can that. write volume two and you can include the rice, chicken and rice recipe if you like it. I'm if God tells me to write another one, I'm ready. Oh, I just yeah, it, so. that is awesome. <laughs> just told I look him forward I'm ready. to read. I will read the devotion books are easy to read because they're each yes. day you can read mm -hmm. a couple a day and um and the thoughts complete. You yes. know, when I get in a book, it's like, where did I leave off? Uh -huh. Yes. What well, what was happening here? I have to read a few. I mean, that's why it takes uh -huh. me so long to read a book. Right. It does take me a long time to read a book. Yes. For sure. Okay, friends. So tell everybody before we get off here, um, I love talking with you, but tell everybody where they can find um, all, out all about you. Well, my website is wendypope.org. That's everything about me there. Um, so check out all of that information. Um, and um, I'm on Facebook, Wendy Pope Official. They can join me on Facebook. And right now we are in our pre-sell um, season for um, Hidden Potential. Yes. And when you pre-order Hidden Potential from Amazon, Barnes mm -hmm. & Noble, Proverbs 31, wherever you buy it, you can come to my website, wendypope.org, and go to my landing page for the book. Enter in your information, and there's all kinds of free goodies that you get. So yeah. take advantage of that and um, be a part of just getting free stuff. I mean, I love free stuff. I the like first chapter, too. the introduction in the first chapter you get for free. So you can go ahead and start reading that before the book comes out. Awesome. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Yeah. Okay, friend. Well, thank you. I've loved visiting with you. And thank um, you. I've loved next visiting time. with you. And I'm going to send you the recipe. Okay, send me, send your me book. the recipe and I'll share it with everyone. <laughs> okay. Thanks right, a lot. Bye. Have a great All day. Right, bye bye. You too.